Amen. You, you, can, you can stay standing. Uh, we're going to be in Colossians this morning. We started a new series last week uh, called A Christ-Centered Living. And uh, last week we found that Paul is the author of Colossians. Uh, he writes to greet the church and to give thanks. He's thankful for that church in Colossae. He's thankful that the gospel had come and they had received it and it was changing lives. And as often the case with Paul, his thanksgiving turns into prayer and petition. And so this morning we're going to look at a, a prayer that could change the church. I'm going to read verses 9 through 14. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Father, thank You for Your beautiful Word. The Lord is living and active. This morning we get to read about your deliverance from darkness into light, coming into your kingdom, the redemption that we find in Christ, the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you for doing all that for us. We are but sinners. Uh, you are a good and gracious God. And we get to sing how great you are. And, and this morning we get to see from your word how awesome you are. We pray that through the, the hearing and the preaching of your word that lives will be changed uh, Lord, you're mighty to save. We want to see that this morning. We pray for that. We'll give you the glory for it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have your seat. <clears throat> Paul says, and so from the day we heard, as I mentioned last week, uh, Epaphras, this guy in verse 7, uh, apparently he was in Ephesus when Paul was there preaching the gospel. He heard the good news, was saved, uh, grew in his faith, went back home to Colossae, shared the gospel. Uh, God used him to plant a church. Uh, the gospel was going out. Lives were being changed. He was excited. He traveled to Rome to where Paul was in prison uh, to share this good news. And uh, Paul gets a little excited. And he says that from the day that we heard that news, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So I just want to remind you that uh, Paul is believed to be in prison, and uh, he wants to pray for others. He wants to pray for the church and not for himself, and he prays not for their material blessings or their physical blessings, but he prays for their spiritual well-being. And so the first thing I want you to notice this morning is Paul's request for the Colossians. Paul's request or his prayer for the Colossians, verse 9 uh, that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And so we first read Paul's request for their spiritual progress. Uh, as I mentioned last week, the church in Colossae had gotten off to a good start, and uh, they're bearing fruit for the gospel. And so Paul wanted them to continue to grow and to progress. It says, in all spiritual wisdom. That word wisdom there is Sophia. And understanding, that, that word speaks of the ability which is given by the Spirit to discern the truth and then to take that discernment and make decisions based upon the truth. And so specifically, Paul wanted them to have perception of the will of God. 
Notice they're asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will. Every believer, we need to have the knowledge of His will. And listen, God wants us to know what His will is, so He gives us a book. And in God's Word, He tells us what His will is. Now, we call that, sometimes we call that the general will of God. What God has revealed to us in His Word. And so, in the Word, we know that God wants us to love Him, uh, to love others, uh, to gather together, to worship Him, to esteem others better than ourselves, uh, to forgive others, uh, to care for orphans and widows, uh, husbands, you're to love your wives, uh, children, you're to obey your parents. God has revealed to us His will. Now, most people aren't so much concerned about God's general will as they are His specific will for, for my life and your life and, and particular circumstances. And so I want to give you a, a word of caution here. The, the specific will of God must always be in accord with the revealed will of God. If it's not, if you feel like God is, is leading you to do something and it's not in accord with what we know for sure, then it's not from God. For example, if you are uh, having trouble paying your bills and you seek the Lord and for some reason you feel like that He wants you to go rob the convenience store, is, is that God's will? No, He's revealed, thou shalt not steal, Exodus twenty fifteen, And so He speaks about that. And so again, if you think God's leading you to do something that's contrary to the Word, it's, it's not from the Lord. Uh, and so Paul prays that they would be filled. That word's plero. It means to be fully filled or fully equipped, complete. It's, it's a word used to describe a ship as you prepare it for voyage. You, you fill it up before it leaves. Sometimes in the New Testament, uh, it's the ideal of being controlled. And so if you're filled with anger, then you're controlled by anger. If you're filled with the Spirit, then you're controlled by the Spirit. And so Paul is praying that they would make progress in their perception, in their wisdom, in their understanding of who Christ is and how that should impact your life and, and not just our lives individually, but the, but the lives of the church. Now, before we move into verse 10, I just don't, don't miss Paul's consistency in praying for the church. He says there in verse 9 that we have not ceased to pray for you. And so Paul's in prison he can't come to them and teach and encourage them, but what he can do, pray, is exactly what he does. And look, I can look around this room, and there's not a person in this room who cannot pray for your church. There's not a person listening online. Whatever condition you're in, there's not a person who cannot pray for the church. Uh, what if we had that testimony that I don't cease praying for the church? What if we did more praying and less criticizing? What if we did more praying and less gossiping? What if we did more praying and less playing? More praying. Uh, you know, I was thinking about praying, and when I first started preaching, I, I had no experience. Uh, I never had a preaching class. Uh, the church was dealing with some conflict, and I didn't know much about preaching or ministry. Uh, but what I had going for me is that I was undergirded by prayer. Uh, the church, they knew I was clueless, and, and so they prayed. And, and through their prayers, I, I believe God used me and brought some reconciliation and peace, and the church started growing. I, I guarantee you what my preaching. Uh, it was there. I, I saw firsthand the power of prayer. 
I think it was Spurgeon who said that preachers should keep their old uh, sermons and weep over them. And uh, sometimes I go back and look at some of mine and I think, God, you, you had to do something miraculous with, with that mess. And so I, I want to make a, a personal request. Listen, will you pray for me? Because uh, I, I need it. I, I, look, I, see a, I have a good friend, Jeff, here today. And uh, uh, the men used to meet on Saturday mornings. And, and most Monday mornings, I'd get a text from Jeff and just say, what can I pray for you for this week? And it's a blessing to, to a pastor to know that people are praying for you. And so pray for me, pray for the church staff, pray for the, the leadership of the, of the church. Uh, we can pray for the church. Now you might say, well, well, what should we pray for the church? Well, the same thing Paul did, that we would make spiritual progress, that we would be filled with the knowledge of God and His will, that we would have spiritual wisdom and understanding, that we would know what the will of God is, and then we'd have the faith to, to follow that will. And listen, church, if you pray that, I, I believe that that's a, a prayer that is in accord with God's will, and I believe you'll answer it. In James 4, 3, uh, James says you, you ask not and you, you don't get what you ask because you ask with wrong motives. But when we pray according to God's word, we know that that is in accord with God. We know he's able to do abundantly more than all we ask or imagine. And so if we ever lack wisdom, James 1.5 says that if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. God wants us to ask him for wisdom. Now listen, church, when there's, when there's times comes up that we get into quandaries about what to do, we ask God for wisdom. And so not only does Paul pray and request that they would perceive the will of God, second request is that they would be pleasing in their walk with God. Verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And so why does Paul want them to grow in their spiritual understanding? Is it, is it so they can win Bible trivia on the radio? No, no, he wants them to, to grow so that they can walk in a manner pleasing to the Lord. Now, there's no separation, you see, between our learning and our, our living. A true spiritual wisdom must affect how we live daily and the decisions we make and our walk with the Lord. Uh, we have all kinds of proverbs that, that invite us to, to, to follow after wisdom. Paul regularly calls the churches to, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Uh, Ephesians 4.1, walk worthy of your calling. You've been called to Christ. You've been called to, to be a Christian. Walk in a manner worthy of that. Philippians 1.27, walk worthy of the gospel. We know what the gospel is. It's a message about Christ did on our behalf to save us. We're to walk in a manner that's worthy of that. And here in verse 10, it goes on to say, fully pleasing to him. That that elaborates on the manner of our walking. Uh, the purpose of our life, church, is to please the Lord. And so Paul is praying that this church would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And so as we pray for each other, as we pray for your pastors, your leadership, your membership, as the church as a whole, we ought to pray that we would walk in such a manner. That we would not, by our lives, bring reproach upon the Lord, upon the gospel, upon his church. Um, the truth is, and, and you all know this, uh, many people out in the world, they've stopped coming to church because they were disillusioned by the way that certain believers lived. You all know that? I run into some of those people sometimes, and they want to tell you about so-and-so and the way they live, and they call themselves a Christian. Listen, this, this is serious. 
as a member of this church, how you live your life, the decisions that you make, even the posts that you put on social media reflects on the testimony of the church and, and our walk with the Lord. I realize as, as a pastor, my, my decisions and my lifestyle and my comments and, and my post on social, all that can impact people for good or bad. And uh, listen, you know, we all have opportunities to blow it. I mean, I'm going to blow it. I, I'm just telling you all in advance. There'll be times where I'll just blow it. And you're going to blow it. We're sinners, aren't we? We're selfish and we're going to blow it. And, and there's a remedy for that. When we blow it, we, we're quick to repent. And we're quick to make restitution and to be reconciled. And, and sometimes that might require a, a private confession of sin. Sometimes it might require a public confession of sin. But the, the main thing is, is that our ultimate desire is that we should be pleasing to our Lord and bring Him glory. Listen, church, if there's something in my life that doesn't bring glory to God, I want to get rid of it. If you see something in my life that you don't think brings glory to God, if you graciously come to me, I'll try to receive that. Because I want to bring glory to God. And if I see something in your life, I'll try to come to you graciously and say, I don't know if that brings glory to God. I, maybe you should get rid of that. And, and listen, I know we won't always have the same uh, take on some, certain things. We might see some things differently. Uh, one of the questions the, the pastor search team asked me towards the end was uh, my view on alcohol. And we might see this differently, but I'm a pastor, and I've tried to minister to people struggling with alcohol. And I've tried to help wives in abusive relationships because of alcohol. And I've children who are in those kind of settings. And, and, I, and so I have seen the struggles of people with alcohol. I've seen the, the devastating effects. And just to be honest with you, in my life, I have not seen alcohol bring about one God-honoring thing. And I see lots of warnings in the scriptures. Uh, flip, uh, Proverbs 20, verse 1, wine's a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, whoever is led astray by it is not wise. And so I want to grow in my spiritual understanding. I want to look to God's word. And, and so if you ask me what I think about it, I have a, two children, one's 19 and one's 21. I hope that they avoid alcohol. If they don't, it won't be because they saw their dad drinking it. And uh, for the young people in this church, I, I hope you avoid alcohol. And if you don't, it won't be because your pastor acted like it was no big deal. I want to challenge you and encourage you to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And I want to challenge you to find your greatest delight in Him. And when you find your delight and your satisfaction in Him, you won't have to look for it from all the things in the world that promises that. Find your delight in Christ. Think about where you are spiritually this morning. Let me just ask, are you walking in a, in a manner worthy and pleasing to the Lord? A third prayer request that Paul makes is that they would be productive in their work for God. Notice verse 10, bearing fruit in every good work. Those three words kind of go together, wisdom, walk, and work. Uh, as we're growing in uh, spiritual wisdom... Hopefully we are walking in that wisdom, and then God begins to bear fruit uh, through our works. And it's not so much that we do this work for God, but it's God who is working in us and through us. Philippians 2.13, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Now you might say, well, how do we uh, bear fruit in every good work? 
Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, Jesus, Jesus tells us how to bear fruit. In John chapter 15, John 15 verse 4, this is pretty simple. Jesus says, abide in me. Remain in me. Stay close to me. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so Jesus wants us to bear fruit, and he tells us how. is to abide in him. And so let me ask you this morning, are you, are you abiding in Christ? And is there some evidence of that? And are, is God bearing fruit in your life? And if you want something to pray for the church, just pray that we would each bear fruit through our lives. And then Paul adds a fourth request, uh, that they would progress in their wisdom of God. Notice verse 10, increasing in the knowledge of God. In other words, that they would come to know God better and better. Maybe there's a great concern in the church uh, because of this lack of desire to, to know God better. And you might say, well, preacher, how do, we, how do we increase in our knowledge of God? Well, listen, he's given us a book. And in this book, he has revealed himself, his wisdom, his ways. Uh, he's given us the Gospels, which record the... Uh, the life of Jesus, and so if we want to know God, we just, we come to His book. Uh, you know, we have Bible study groups, and Sunday school, and small groups, and, and then this is an opportunity to, to grow in our knowledge of God. Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. How can we have a mind and an attitude like Christ without knowing Him? And so there's no better way to do that than to come together and to, uh, to ask the Holy Spirit to teach us and then to dive in and to study the Scriptures together. I don't, I don't think any of us have it all figured out. And, and so when issues come up, we, we just we go to the Word and we study the Word and we dig deep. And, you know, listen, as we dig into the Word, it's possible sometimes to find that we were taught wrong or our view was wrong, that we're in the wrong. And so we should always be open to, to study the Scriptures. And uh, listen, I told them, if, if, I ever, if I'm ever stopped being open to, to study the Scriptures, then I, I told, the, told them to fire me. I, I added in this, in, this morning, I said, fire me and then shoot me. But then I realized how many of you are packing, and I said, don't shoot me, but just, <laughs> just fire me, okay? God reveals Himself in the Word and His wisdom and His will, and we've got to get in the Word. Amen? Somebody say amen, would you? We got to get in the Word, amen? Yes. And so how are you doing there? Are you progressing in your knowledge of God? And so verses, nine, we spent a lot of time in 9 and 10. They're, they're like pieces of the puzzle. I, I want you to see this. Paul, Paul is praying for their spiritual progress. And as we seek God's will and, and His wisdom, as we obey that will in our lives, then we bear fruit for His glory. That, that's increasing in our knowledge of God. And we get to know Him better and better. Uh, Henry Blackaby, in Experiencing God, the seventh reality, if you remember, is that we come to know God through experience as we obey Him. We come to know God by experience as we obey Him and He accomplishes His work through us. That's, James said, be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Uh, 
D.L. Moody said every Bible should be bound in shoe leather. Every Bible should be, mine's not shoe leather. Listen, what he means is every Bible, we ought not just learn it, but we ought to go out and live it. Not only did Paul pray for their spiritual progress, he also prayed uh, for their spiritual power. Notice verse 11. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Listen, we can't do that. We can't bear fruit on our own. We need God's help. We need his power. And so Paul, the language here is kind of funny. Uh, Strengthen is dunamo and power is dunamis. They're both talking about power, dynamite power, that, we would, that the church would have all power. That, that's what he prays for the church. He, he don't want the church to be weak. He said, I pray that you'll be strengthened, literally that, that they would be strengthened by God with the greatest strength imaginable. I mean, that's a good thing to ask God to do for his church. Now, when we think about the power of God, sometimes we think about the big manifestations. You know, God parted the Red Sea and uh, he raised some from the dead, and, and he fed the multitudes, and, and God has the power to do that. But here Paul is praying for, for God to, to, through his power, to bring spiritual character to the church. Notice, therefore, the reason that they need God's power is, is for all endurance and patience with joy. And so he wanted them to have joyful endurance from God. Listen, the church certainly needs endurance and patience. They needed it back then. Listen, we need it today, don't we? Uh, Dr. V. Raymond Edmund, he's the late president of Wheaton College, he, he would often remind his students, it's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to quit. Honestly, sometimes we want to quit, don't we? I mean, I want to quit sometimes. You, you want to quit sometimes. It's easier to throw in the towel. It's, it's always too soon to quit. And so may God give us the power to endure, even when it's tough. Spurgeon pointed out, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. You ever think about that? Maybe it's why Noah took so long to build that thing. He's waiting on the snail to get there. Maybe, I don't, I don't know. Maybe they were close by, I don't know. But Warren Wiersbe, in his commentary, he, he said, a, a pastor often visited a Christian young man who had been badly burned and uh, the young man had to lie still for hours. It was difficult for him to perform even the basic functions of life. The young man said to the pastor, I wish God would do a miracle and heal me. And the pastor replied, God is doing a miracle, but it's not the kind you're looking for. I have watched you grow in patience and kindness during these weeks. That to me is a greater miracle than the healing of the body. Endurance and patience. And, and, and notice Paul adds with joy. With joy. You know, sometimes we use joy and happiness interchangeably. They're not the same. Happiness has to do with what's happening, and if it's good, then we're happy. But joy really has to do with our response to the circumstances that we're in. Paul, for example, he, he wrote a, a letter, the Philippian letter. The book of Philippians is a joy-filled book. Paul's in prison, facing the possibility of death, and yet he writes with such joy about what God was doing in the church. Listen, joy is not something we work up in our lives. It's, it's a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, we don't work it up, uh, especially when we're going through difficult times, but the Holy Spirit works it in and produces joy. And so Paul wanted them to have joyful endurance, and he wanted them to have jubilant gratitude for God. Notice verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints 
in life. And so part of Paul's prayer for that church is that they would be growing in their thanksgiving to God. Now listen, I, I want that for this church. Regardless of what kind of circumstances we may be going through, I want us to be a thankful people because of what God has done for us, and Paul's going to remind us. And so listen, despite what circumstances you may be in or I may be in, whatever they may, may be, we ought to overflow with thanksgiving at the thought of what God has done for us. It, it, Paul says he has qualified us for heaven. He's qualified us. Sin disqualified us, but God has qualified us. And, and so I, I need to get to this last point. Not only does Paul uh, request some things for them, but then Paul reminds, he has some reminders to the Colossians. And so sin has disqualified us, uh, but but Jesus has come to our rescue. And so Paul says, remember Christ came to your rescue. Verse 13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. That's where we were at. We were in darkness, all of us. Under the, the prince of the power of the air, living in darkness, he has delivered us, rescued us, and he has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. And so what we need to be reminded of this morning is, listen, our greatest problem isn't the economy or the morality or, or the tropical storms or whatever it may be. Our greatest problem is that we're sinners. And what we need as sinners is a Savior. And we have a Savior. I mean, Paul wants the church to get a hold of this. Jesus came to deliver us, to rescue us from danger. You can say, what kind of danger were we in? We're dangerous, spending an eternity separated from God in a real place called hell. That's danger. Being separated for all of eternity from God. And yet Christ came to our rescue. He came to deliver us from Satan's dominion of darkness and to transfer us into the kingdom of his beloved son. It, it reminds me in the Old Testament, God didn't just deliver deliver Israel out of slavery in Egypt. He, he brought them out, but then he took them to the promised land. And that's what Paul reminds us here. Jesus doesn't just rescue out of darkness. He brings us into the kingdom. And so, church, today I want you to remember that it was the beloved Son of God who did that, who came to our rescue. And it was costly. It was costly to the Father in giving His Son. It was costly to the Son in giving Himself. But He did that for our sake. Let's not forget the cost of our rescue. And then Paul says, remember not only that Christ came to our rescue, but finally, remember Christ is your Redeemer. Verse 14 in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That word redemption means to release a prisoner by the payment of a ransom. That's what Jesus did. He redeemed us. That word forgiveness means to cancel a debt. And so listen, church, we were enslaved. We were in bond, We were in prison to sin. We couldn't pay the debt. Jesus came to rescue us. And he came to pay the ransom. And listen, only the sinless Son of God can meet the holy demands of a righteous God. Only Jesus could do that. And so Paul wanted the Colossians to know, and he wants us to know, that there's no other person that could come and redeem us and forgive us and bring us out of darkness into God's kingdom. Only Jesus. Jesus is the only means of salvation. Only through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone can one be saved. Let me just say, well, how is our redemption and forgiveness possible? 
Well, some translations in verse 14 have, we have redemption through His blood. And that's certainly true. And I, I don't think it's necessarily in this verse, but, but Ephesians 1, 7 says that uh, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our sins. Through the blood of Christ. When we get to next week in verse 20, making peace by the blood of His cross. And so, church, we can be sure of this. It was through the blood that Jesus paid the ransom for our salvation. Redemption and forgiveness, it's available. That's a, probably a good place to end this morning. You know, it's common to hear people say things like, well, I believe God is a God of love and He's not going to send anybody to hell. Listen, I just as we close this morning, I just want to give you a warning from God's Word what will happen to those who trample on the sacrifice of the Son of God. And so Hebrews 29, if you want to look there, how much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who spurned the Son of God or who trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? Listen, people mock the Lord and they belittle the Lord and they reject Christ they offend God the Father and they trample on the Son of God they insult the Spirit there's a word for that and that word is foolish foolish verse 31 goes on to say it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God and so before we close this morning I I just want to invite you to be rescued If you're living in the domain of darkness and you've never been saved, I want to invite you this morning to be rescued. And there's so much in this passage. Jesus, through His coming, He invites you to be delivered out of darkness, to be redeemed from your sin, to receive His ransom for your sin, to to have your sins forgiven. He, He offers all that, and He invites you to receive it. And I get to extend that to you this morning and invite you to be rescued from your sins. Won't you stand with me this morning? Our praise team's coming in just a moment. We're going to have an invitation. And for some of you, you're in darkness. You're in bondage. And I want to invite you. I I love preaching because I get to invite people out of darkness. I want to invite you this morning personally to be saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the redemption that we find through Jesus, through the blood of Jesus. And Lord, if there's a person here this morning in this room that's in the domain of darkness, maybe they've been blinded all their lives. I pray this morning that you would remove those blinders and they would see the price that Jesus paid for their sins. Would you save some this morning? Would you grant courage and and boldness and and, uh, bring some out, Lord, out of darkness? Lord, for us as believers, may we be filled with gratitude this morning at the thought that you came to our rescue and our ransom was your blood and you shed it for us. Lord, may we walk in a manner that's worthy of of your sacrifice for us. We invite you, Father, to work in this invitation. Bring life. Bring release from captive. Bring rescue to those in danger of spending eternity in hell. Will you do that this morning? We'll praise you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You respond this morning. If you're lost, I, I want to tell you how to be saved. 
If you have evaluated your life this morning and you say, I'm not really walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, then repent. It's okay to repent. It's a good thing. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, don't, don't leave here this morning in sin when you can have forgiveness and you can confess those to the Lord. And if you need to come this morning or if you want to partake of the Lord's Supper and remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for your sins.